to the party. Bung, bung! It's the big boss, man, aka Claytron, aka the clumsy jeweler, because I'm always dropping gems, aka the milkman, because I always deliver. Uh, but I'm probably known best as the PhD in podcasting, it's me. And Money Making Mitch, back at it again. Easy money. For the midweek episode. Um, shit, there's been a lot a lot of stuff happening this week, but I want to address first um, Triple X Tentacion or XXX Tentacion. I don't know how um, it was said. It's a strange name, but um, he, he was an up-and-coming rapper. He had uh, some promise, had some big hits. Um, was making some impact, a lot of mental health awareness sort of shit, and uh, he was gunned down in his uh, BMW uh, yesterday, or the day before yesterday. Um, so rest in peace to, to him. Uh, that's that's terrible. He's 20 years old, so that's far too young for anybody to go and for anybody to go like that. Uh, it's just, it's terrible, man. Uh, he had he had some demons that he was facing and, and all of this, but I mean, I think he was trying to better himself and um, someone someone cut that short. So um, condolences to his family. And um, yeah, man, I hope, uh, I, I don't know if, I don't know if they found the dude that did this or whatever. Oh, sorry, man. Um, they said it's a suspected drive-by, um, but, you know, who knows with it, suspected this and alleged that, could be this, could be that, whatever, man, I, it's, it's a shame to see, um, a young, talented, uh, individual go so soon, um, man, I'm freezing, it's winter in Australia, I'm sitting here in the, uh, you know, the dungeon of, of podcasts over here. And, um, I am shivering once again. I think I said that on the weekend episode this time. I don't have my hoodie on though. And you know, money making Mitch isn't going to just be stopping recordings and shit. So I can go get warm. I have to battle through this shit, but it's not going to be hard today. No Bruno. Um, because I have a special guest here with me that is going to make this easier for me. Uh, I've known this man for, shoot, um, shit, how am I, 28? I've known him probably for 12, nah, longer, 15 years. I think I've known him for 15 years. Uh, we came up in the same basketball club, um, winning chips, getting that action together. We both uh, went our separate ways and uh, took different routes um, to professionalism, but uh, we both, uh, you could say we both made it, I'd say. Um, but yeah, man, he. Uh, I want to find out, well, I want you guys to find out from the horse's mouth, instead of from mine, what his journey was and... Um, what he's learned along the way and how he is adjusting to that crazy thing called fatherhood. So please welcome to the show, my friend, Tom Daly.
How you going? Good, man. How are you? Yeah, yeah, pretty well. Good, man. Hey, what's been going uh-huh. on? Hello? Yo. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, all good. I'm just trying to find, find a non-black spot in my house. Um, oh, okay. What's been going on? Normal stuff. Normal stuff. Um, basketball. Um, yeah, training, work, baby. Yeah, regular stuff. What about you, man? Yeah, same. Um, just... Just working. I, I don't know if you heard that I quit um, at Stir. Uh, yeah, I think I was told that. Yeah. I'm pretty out of the loop with Adelaide basketball, but yeah, I think. Yeah, so. I knew that you weren't playing, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I didn't. I haven't played this year, so I've just been, yeah, just working and doing the potty, really. Yeah. Seems like it's, it's going well. Podcast, yeah. you, you get a lot of, like, um, like, you're putting out. How, how often do you put them out? Uh, twice a week. Yeah, it seems like a few. Uh, excuse me. Whereabouts are you working at the moment? Uh, I'm working as a rehab consultant, con- uh, uh, contracted out to defence, but I've um, I've put in my um, resignation, so I've got two weeks left there, and then um, see what happens after that. Yeah. What yeah. do you What do you want to do? Have you got like a your eyes on something or? Um, not not really sure at this stage, but just had to get out of there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, how are yeah, you guys going this season? Uh, it's been actually it's been a horrible year to be honest. We've oh really? Been, uh, we've had we've had just crazy injuries. We um, because we had five really good years where we had basically no injuries, just you know the odd niggle here and there. Uh, and then this year, I hurt my knee after two games and missed uh, about eight, um, or that's no, six or seven. And then uh, and I played the last couple of weeks, and I hurt my knee again on on Sunday. So I'm out for another couple of weeks. Um, and then Brad Brad Hill, his ankles um, they lasted a couple of games, and then he ended up basically retiring because they're they're no good. Oh, wow. Yeah, we had we had Majok Deng as well from the Sixers. Um, he came down, he played one game, and then and then got injured the next week um, with, with an ankle, and he was the ankle was taking ages to get right, and then he had um, like a, the camp, some of the NBA camps or something coming up, so we we ended up letting him go. Oh wow! Um, yeah, brought in two new guys a couple of weeks ago, so he just had like. Almost a different team every week, so it's been really hard to get any continuity. So we're four, four wins, seven losses, and yeah, nine games left. Uh, but we got two double headers the next two weekends, and um, and I'm sure I won't be playing. So we um, we're in a spot of bother, and it's just yeah, it's been frustrating one of these years. But you know, yeah. injuries. You know, when you sign up for sports, injuries happen. So. Yeah, shit. I wasn't uh, wasn't expecting to hear that. Who's um, who's like the teams to beat at the moment? Uh, none of Wadding. You know they're always strong. Uh, they they got similar team to to normal. Yeah. Uh, to, as to what they've had, so they've been pretty strong. I think they're second on the ladder. Kilsyth. We played on Friday night and we lost to them in overtime. 
they're on top of the ladder. They're, they're looking pretty good. Oh, okay. Yeah. Fuck. Just, uh, normal suspect. Yeah. What about um, Hobart? Are they any good or have they f- kind yeah. of... Yeah, they're hanging around. I think they're fifth or sixth, uh, maybe fourth. Um, yeah, they're, they're in the mix. Um, the top, it's changed this year. There used to be two conferences, but now the top, just the top eight. Um, and so, yeah, I think they're about fifth or sixth. They're going okay. Yeah. Very good import point guard. Oh, so they took the, um, they took the conferences away? Yeah. Ah, oh, okay. Um, did you see you see all the like the Bogut stuff coming coming yeah. over to Sydney? Which Bogut stuff? Um, a little bit, yeah. Which most, which Bogut stuff in particular? Well, he well him playing for Sydney and uh, he was talking about starting up uh, an NBL franchise in in Essendon. Oh, I did, yeah, actually, I spoke to my brother Sam, he's playing for Kilsyth, and he's, I think he's going to go back to Sydney. Um, actually, he said he's in, like, the, the group chat with uh, with the Sydney guys, obviously, and Bogut's in there, he said it's pretty interesting, Bogut's a bit of a, you know, savage, <laughs> he, gets his, he gets his way, and he did, yeah, he did mention something about uh, Essendon getting involved, which I think is probably good for the NBL. Yeah, definitely. Um, what do you mean by like he's a bit of a savage and he gets his way? I think he's got pretty strong views on business and basketball, and um, you know, yeah, Sam said he had some, some, uh, you know, Sam said it diplomatically. He had some about Todd Blanchfield when Todd decided to. Um, and then he just said as an overall comment that, that Bogut just gets stuff done. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, people have to respect him, I guess. Like, he was in the league for a long time, number one pick. Um, yeah, he's, he's got some, you know, he's won a championship. He's played with, you know, some of the best players in the world. And he's seen how, you know, like the NBA, the, the top basketball league in the world, how they operate. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, got to listen to the guy, I suppose, um, at, with those with those sort of cr- uh, credentials. Sorry, what was that first bit? Got to got to listen to him with those sort of credentials. Yeah, yeah, that's right. No, he's pretty pretty serious. Been around all that. Yeah. So, and he was, you know, in his own right, he was a pretty good player. Yeah. At the time, he had pretty, he was pretty unlucky with injuries. Yeah, he had some shockers. Career, but he played a pretty good ball. And um, how's how's Sam going at Kilsyth? Yeah, pretty good. Pretty, um, as I said, they're, they're top of the ladder, so I think their win loss is eleven and two. They've got a really balanced team, and he does some training with uh, assistant coaches, uh, Leonard Copeland, and I think Luke Kendall as well might be in in Melbourne. So I think he's going pretty well overall. Yeah. Well, that's good, um, and so he's he's going back to Sydney. Has he got a uh, roster spot, or is he just um, going to be a development player again? As far as I know, I think it's just development player. We didn't get into the real nitty gritty of it, but I'm ninety five percent sure it's just development player yeah. at this stage because I think they got Kyle Adam and and Tom Wilson kind of the spots. 
yeah. that he was in the, in the mix for. So I think he's took another year as a DP. Right. Have you talked to him about like your experience sort of getting trapped in that DP spot? Yeah, a little bit. I try not to um, be over-involved, but just give him some some tips here and there. We sort of, we don't have a kind of relationship where we speak every second day. We, we kind of just speak, you know, every every couple of weeks. And, um, and uh, yeah, if he asks me stuff, then, then I'll help him out. And, and I do try to give him a bit of insight into where I thought I went right in making decisions and, and maybe some of the incorrect pathways that I took as well. And, and really a lot about it is having, I think you, when you're at that stage of your career, you, you really need a, a good agent. Um, and uh, you really just need to get your foot in, in the door somewhere and, and be able to build your, your brand a little bit. So yeah, he's learning all that stuff and, and uh, I think he's doing, into, you know, what he can control is doing the work and, um, and playing the basketball. And, and I think he's, he's doing that at the moment. So that's the main part. Where would you say that, that you went right and wrong? Yeah, good question. Um, I think a little bit, uh, I was a little bit too content just to stay with, with Adelaide. Um, at times, you know, because that was where I grew up and, and I kind of had it stuck in my head that I wanted to be in sort of a hometown guy that played, played for the Sixers. So maybe I should have explored some other avenues earlier. Um, I probably, at, at that stage, was still fairly, in my personality, was I was fairly inward, so I was afraid to, uh, no, I wouldn't say market myself, but, you know, I, I thought it was wrong or, you know, I, I didn't really have that attitude of putting myself out there too much and, and having real proper confidence in myself, I think. Um, so maybe that was not the right path to go. And, and that's probably, I, I probably could just, in terms of actually going and, and training in different places. And I think really you've got to put yourself in as many opportunities um, as, as possible and be ready at, at all times. And uh, maybe I just didn't put myself out to other teams or in front of enough eyes or build enough relationships. That would be the other one thing I've, uh, so because I was fairly shy and, and inward at that time, I wasn't great at building relationships or, um, you know, really, you know, building a network of, of basketball contacts and coaches and, and et cetera. So I would say that that's a pretty important one as well. Yeah, I think in the um, in the NBL in particular, that's that's really important. Um, I know, like universally, it's it's often about who you know, but in other you know in other leagues, they they they're happy to let people go and sign who they think is going to get the job done. Whereas um, in the NBL, uh, it's it's sort of like we're we're just going to uh, look after this guy regardless of what his output is. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I think that that does happen. You look at um, you look at certain guys that 
be great ideally if the league was bigger because I think there's a lot of good Australian talent yeah. that, that doesn't doesn't get to where it should be, doesn't get to be showcased because you know we only have what is it, eight teams uh, minus the three important, you know, about sixty Australian spots, and, and there's so many great Aussie players out there. So hopefully the league can expand. But yeah, I think you know, and sometimes you can't blame a coach or a person executive for choosing someone that they they know and trust that they've been around but on the other hand I think you've really got to do your due diligence and 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 try and pick the best option uh, to win the best option for your for your team um, so yeah I agree with you there yeah but yeah I think um so how how did you get involved with the Sixers because we did the like the academy and all of that did you go straight into a development spot out of high school <laughs> it was like a long time ago now which is yeah I, I was just thinking before it's probably <laughs> been about 15 years or something oh not since high school 10 years since high school but like 15 years since like we started playing together at Sturt yeah it's just nuts to think about yeah it was sort of just dragged on for for a few years in that in that development spot and did you you eventually crack the 10 yeah I was kind of I was lucky in one sense it was bad overall because the team over Marty had three years there and the the team over that period um, A didn't do well and B had lots of injuries um, which was difficult to be a part of but on the other hand, uh, it gave opportunities for me um, with the injuries and the poor performance to to get in there and play some games. So I think those first three years, I played about 
somewhere between 10 or 15 games in yeah. each of those three years. Uh, and as from year one, when I would get on, I would play, you know, and then as time went on, they'd give me a little bit more as, I, as my skills developed and their trust in me developed. And then by year three, I'd actually played some, some meaningful minutes, you know, 10 to 15 minute spurts in a couple of games and, and was starting to feel like maybe I could, um, maybe I could make it. Uh, and then, of course, at the end of the third year, Marty was moved on and, and Joey came in and Joey didn't know me from a bar of soap. So uh, that sort of reshuffled the whole thing again. So I, I spent a, a year, I think my development player status had expired at that stage for whatever it was worth. So I spent a year just um, just training with Joey and, and I tried to get in there almost every day with him and build a relationship and build my skills. And, and then the next year uh, I had a good seawall season and, and Joey re- rewarded me with my first and only um, full contract uh, but then I, I sort of struggled that year didn't, didn't play much and then when I was given opportunities I didn't make the most of them and, uh, and then that was it for NBL so I, yeah so it was five years in the mix um, all together three with Marty and two with, uh, with Joey who were both I think both really good coaches in their own right. They're, they're very different, um, you know. And, and Joey's obviously done really well at NBL level, and Marty not so much. But uh, you know, Marty's they've got a different skill set and, and a very good skill set, and, and that works better in, in different environments. But um, I was pretty grateful to have those guys for five years because I learned a lot about the game, and, and um, it was a good experience. Yeah, well, I, I know you put a lot of uh, pressure on yourself to get to get um, into the NBL and uh, make a career out of it. So what what was the satisfaction like when you actually were around it? Um, was it what you had hoped for? Yeah, good question, yeah. I, I guess I started going to Sixers games when I was five or six years old. And so, and then basketball became a, a real dominant part of my life, probably over over the top. So I put a, a really high value on my goals, and that goal was to, to make the NBL. So from a, from the time I really started taking basketball seriously, which was you know 13 or 14, up until when I was training with the Sixers, which was you know about 19 or 20. Um, that was that was like life life or death for me. Um, it was like you know I've got to make it, and, and I'm not sure what life is going to be like if I, if I don't make it. And so you're right, as you said, I put a lot of pressure on myself, which um, at times wasn't healthy and, and was uh, an imbalance in my life. So, but yeah, in saying that, when I got there, it was it was very satisfying to achieve that goal, and um, and maybe. Maybe I got a little complacent when I got to that point. I thought, you know, I'd made it, and um, you know, I can take the foot off the pedal a little bit. I'm going to be okay, and, and I'm in. And maybe that's why the longevity um, didn't didn't pan out for me. Um, but it, yeah, it was satisfying to, to get to that point at the time. It is a hard league to um, be in, especially as a rookie with all the just the one year contracts that get dished out. 
Um, it seems like no one can sign anything more than a one-year contract unless they're an import or unless they've, they've played in the league for like five, ten years. So getting that initial job security is is um, just as hard as actually cracking the league. Yeah, it is. It's really hard. You know, you, you work so hard to get there and then you get a one-year deal and straight away you feel the pressure. You're thinking, all right, I've got to do something in this one year to prove that I deserve another contract and that I belong. Uh, whereas if you have even two or three years, at least you're thinking, all right, if I, if I, if I start off slow, then I've then I got a bit of time. I think that's the lesson in itself. The lesson is that you, you can't have that attitude of, well, I'll, I'll do it tomorrow, I'll do it down the track. Um, you've got to try and, in the game of basketball, I think you've got to try and adopt the attitude of, I'll be ready all the time, I will give my best as much as I possibly can and be ready for, for every opportunity because I don't know when that's going to be taken away. Yeah, and, uh, and and that was partly my problem, I think, in in uh, my one contracted year is that yes, it was a difficult circumstance because we ended up having we had Jamal Wilson, Adam Gibson, who were your point guards, um, and took took the minutes, but and so I didn't get much opportunity. But you know, I my attitude wasn't quite where it needed to be, and, and therefore the things that filter down from that, you know, like the work ethic and and the being a great teammate, etc. they weren't quite where they needed to be and, and therefore I didn't, you know, I didn't make the most of the opportunities and, and maybe if, uh, if I was a little different there, then it would have worked out differently. Maybe it wouldn't have, but uh, you, you've got to give yourself every opportunity to succeed and, and I was probably a little disappointed that I didn't do that. Um, but yeah, it is. It's a really hard league to crack. And as I was saying before, you know, we we got guys that come through Mount Gambia now, um, who, you know, are well, you know, and other guys in the Seabull, as you know, have been played in it, but they could definitely play in the top league, and and it'd be great for them to showcase their ability in front of the you know, Australian basketball people, and and there's just not enough spots. Um, and then you you get into talking about the whole business model of of the NBL, and um, you know they're doing a great job at the moment with um, uh, Kesselman putting in lots of money, and hopefully that model can build and expand. Um, because I think ultimately that's what we need to try and aim for. We need to get us it's a, a growing sport, lots of talented, lots of talented Australian players. We need to get as many of them into the, to the NBL as possible. And, um, and hopefully that expands. Yeah, it's hard um, in a continent with um, you know so so few billionaires or you know however much money you need to start a professional sports team. It's not easy to like. There's no market for expansion teams really over here. So there's there's the talent for it, but there's not there's not really um, a market for the sport when you're competing with um, rugby and AFL and soccer. Um, and then, uh, yeah, just just the sheer 
amount of money that it takes and the the population of the country doesn't allow there to be that many billionaires with an, with an invested interest in in the NBL so yeah it'll be slow yeah. to grow but hopefully hopefully it can eventually um or even if the league can just gain some more exposure then you know that's when you start getting those overseas um you know like oil tycoons and princes and shit wanting to have their name on a sports team AFL, there's 16 teams. You got like eight of them in in Victoria, uh, like, and then six of those in the immediate Melbourne area. Like, it's not it, and they 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 can fill seats. So it's not it's not a matter of you know this city's already got a team because you can you can definitely um, add teams to cities. Yeah, I mean Melbourne has so much, so many basketball people. There's so many kids playing. There's so many associations. It seems to me, in theory, to be a, a place where you could have two. Um, you know, Adelaide do a pretty good job packing out the, the stadium now. Uh, it's very traditional that there's just been the 36s there, but you know, maybe, maybe eventually you can fit another one there because footy's uh, number one in, in Adelaide. Um, but, but you know, I don't think basketball's you know it's it's booming. It's pretty popular in Adelaide from from what I can gather. And then you've got, you've got other big markets there as well. So I think if they go about it the right way, then uh, hopefully they can have multiple cities. It seems like Perth, with the way the Wildcats are run, you know, they seem to get ten plus thousand to to every game. Um, you know, maybe there's there's room for another team there, and New Zealand as well. Uh, you know, maybe there's there's room for multiple teams there. So it'd just be great to see more and more Australian. Um, Yeah, absolutely. Um, how are you finding the going back to satisfaction? How are you finding your level of satisfaction um, now playing Siebel, um as compared to how you're feeling uh, in the NBL environment? My, I guess I'm
Thing we fell in love with when we were kids. Yeah, the fundamental basics. Yeah. Um, and how's how's it um, been going on the road now that you're a married man and you've you know you've got a little baby girl at home. It's <laughs> good to get some sleep on the road. Yeah, yeah, I bet. <laughs> I felt that sometimes coming back um, to Albury uh, from a road trip, but like we drove everywhere because we were sort of in the middle of everything. So um, 
everything seemed a bit longer than, than it needed to be. And so I always felt so happy to get home and I didn't, you know, I didn't have a wife and kid to get home to. So I can only imagine um, what it feels like getting home after like a, a Tassie road trip. Are there any talks of uh, another child? see a little a different daily uh, make it up to the uh, 36s there Imagine, oh, imagine four teenage girls. Yeah, man. Um, but you, you just, it doesn't matter at all. Yeah, absolutely love them unconditionally, so. Yeah. Yeah, next topic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Well, um, how's, how's Ben going? Tiger. 
there's obviously a cage or something that you put the food into and there's a little slot where you put it in. I don't think he was in the cage with the tiger. Um, but the tiger's a, a couple metres away and Ben's got his supervisors a couple metres behind him. Yeah. And he's taking a chunk of meat to the cage. And as he goes to put the meat in the cage, the tiger's only a few feet away from him. He puts the meat in and the tiger growls at him and rushes at him. And he said it took every fibre of his being not to flinch and, and fall over. Because he's got his supervisors behind one. Yeah. <laughs> so he does... Yeah, so he doesn't want to, you know, just fall over because they're going to think, oh, well, that's a fail. Yeah. So he said it, it took every inch of um, self-control not to, to fly over. And he said the tiger's growl was so loud and powerful, it just shot through him. And, uh, and, just, and that one experience. And, yeah, he um, wow. he's, he's loving doing that. Obviously, having great experiences. That's awesome. And how are the folks? Yeah, they're good. Yeah, they come down every uh, couple of weeks when we play. Uh, just saw them on the last weekend with Sam, which was nice. And they're doing good. They they go to watch Sam a fair bit as well. Oh, that's uh, good. They go to Sydney a little bit. So yeah, they're all good. Enjoying retirement. Yeah, nice. What they're both retired. Yeah. Nice. They just do their, do their own thing. Oh, the dream. The dream. Yeah. <laughs> um, working towards it. Still got, uh, yep, 40 years. <laughs> Almost there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. All right, man. Thanks Thanks for being on the show, though, because uh, i got to go get some get some dinner sorted and um, edit this and get it, get it out there for tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully, I'll um, see you face to face soon. Yeah, we um, we haven't been down to Adelaide uh, since the season started, so uh, the season's not that far from ending. But uh, regardless, we can try and get down there soon and catch up with with everyone. Yeah, good. absolutely. Um, all right, man. Well, um, but, uh, I'm sorry to hear about the injuries and stuff this season, but um, hopefully you guys uh, can finish out strong and bring some bring some momentum into next season with you um, if you keep the same group. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. And yeah, we just can't turn negatives into positives and uh, the sun comes up the next day, so we'll be right. Yeah, that's it. And there's uh, there's more there's more to it all than, than a, a ball going through a hoop, so... You get a you get a Absolutely. lovely family to go home to at the end of the day, so that's that's the main thing. Yeah, absolutely. Put, put, put it, got to put it in perspective. Yeah. It's just it's just a game, even though we love it so much. It's just a game. Yeah, it's fucking easy to forget. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 All right, man. Um, yeah. Thanks again, and I'll I'll uh, be in touch soon. No worries, man. Good to talk to you. Take care. You too. See you, bro.
place to be. In the place to be and not to be at the same. What a great catch up, man. I haven't talked to Tom in such a long time. You've got a little baby girl, wife. Man, it's a, it's a different different life that he's living toward, uh, to, you know, what it was when we were growing up. But, you know, people grow. I grew. I just didn't do all that shit, you know? But nah, he, uh, he has a different outlook on, uh, on the game to when, um, when we were growing up, it, it was sort of that do or die shit. Um, and he, uh, yeah, he sort of came out of that and realized that there's more to life than the game. And, uh, yeah, you can, you can, you can listen to him. He's a, he's a happy dude. He's a happy dude. I love that. Um, anyway, well, we will have to, we'll have to get his brother, Sam Daly on as well, who, uh, has had a little stint in the NBL also and college and, you know, little mixing it up, a little bit of Siebel here and there. ABA, whatever, he's, you name it, he's played it. Anyway, as you all know, I joined a gym uh, on the weekend. Did I did chest my first session. That was uh, three, four, four or five days ago, and my chest still hurts um, because I have not lifted in so long. Usually, you know, you get soreness for a couple of days. I'm telling you, this soreness is waking me up at night. It's a different level. It's, it's that pre-season type of sort, but I've got some concerns with public gyms. Okay. Uh, cats are really out here wearing fits to the gym. Like cats are really trying to style on these hoes and all this. Uh, so this, this a catwalk or this fucking treadmill? Right? Is this a catwalk? Or is this a fucking treadmill? Man, coming in here trying to swag out. Shit. Just fucking pick the weights up, press them, and go home. Got your fucking bright white shoes on and your, you know, your shaved legs. Or or you got the tight, the tight fucking um, sweats on. Right, with your fucking razorback singlet and your your mirrors and all this. Yo, where I'm from, we work out to get better. Right? This a treadmill? Or is this a fucking catwalk? Get better. Man, dudes wearing hats, bro, in the gym. I can kind of kind of allow it if a girl wears a hat to like keep her ponytail like, I don't know dudes with short hair wearing hats in the gym uh, turn around walk out the door go downstairs get in your car and drive home okay cause I don't I don't understand that shit oh just cause you don't understand it doesn't mean it's shut up Get in there, 
do some pull-ups, break a sweat, get out. All this fucking pretty boy shit. The girls, the girls in the gym so far have been more about that action than the guys. Well, seemingly. Right? There's some pretty fucking yoked dudes in there, right? But they're all in there like looking themselves in the mirror and all this. They've got those muscles that don't do shit. Like all it's going to be is extra meat when, when it's the end of the world. No Bruno. It's just going to be extra meat for cats to eat if they have to. You know? It's just those those muscles for looks. They don't do shit. Except lift big things, I guess. I don't... Hit... You know what? You know what? Go ahead. Go ahead. Wear your purple Razorback singlet and your fucking... Your tight... Your tight fucking sweatpants and a hat. And your bright white sneakers. Wear that. Do it. Do it. Enjoy yourself. I hope that works for you. And I hope you're happy. And I'm sorry I said anything. Just wear that shit. Money making Mitch is shaking his head. Because he's not about that shit either. I'm in there. I'm in there just trying to work, bro. You know? I'm not the strongest man in the world, but I mean, I know why I'm there. It's not a fashion show. Hey, this a catwalk? Or this a treadmill? Right? Um, shit, I don't have a whole lot of news for you guys today. I'll tell you one thing, though. I am like a baby driver in my office, bro. I fucking choose myself a track or a podcast and I'm banging that shit into my ears while I'm just typing away, writing these reports, man. Writing these reports. Baby driver in the fucking Cube City, you know? I got two and a half weeks left. I'm out. What are you doing? What are you going to do in the meantime, Clay? You'll see. You'll see. Um, I told you that I was going to go see uh, Ocean's 8 with Rachel on the weekend, and I did. So, Money Making Mitch takes us to Clay's reviews. Comedy, action, or horror? Will this movie win an Oscar? Set design, directing, acting, lighting, or costumes? This segment is Clay's reviews. So, Ocean's 8 was what it was. Uh, pretty much exactly what I expected. It was a caper film, a heist film. Um, and instead of having the original classic cast, they just filled it up with uh, women. Uh, fair enough. Fair enough. 2018, hashtag me too. But it's not... Uh, uh, it's just not the same, man. It's not quite as good. It was good. I, I get it. I understand it's entertaining. It was just like, they made a point. They made a point of the fucking female shit. We get it, right? We get it. You don't need to actually include dialogue in the film. They had Sandra Bullock say some shit about like, we're women. We're just going to get ignored the entire night. And that's, this is going to be the first time we actually want to be ignored or some shit. And I was just, and I actually... I didn't ignore her when she said that. I actually was like, oh, shut the fuck up, man. Like, I don't know. That was that was a bit rich. I don't think we needed that because 
it was it was fun, man. It was fun to watch. We had um, Sandra Bullock, who I don't know how old she is, but she she has you know she has still got it. She looks good, real good. She's got to be like fifty or something though, for real. Sixty, I don't know. I don't know. Money make money making Mitch. Can you uh, figure that shit out? Fifty four. Is that sourced? Sourced. Fifty four. Money making Mitch reckons. Sandra Bully. We had Kate Blanchett, and Hathaway, who is another one that I uh, yes definitely into. Anne Hathaway. She's got big old. She got big features. Her. She got like a little face, but like big eyes and big mouth. Um, and I think she put on a little bit of weight. Um, but she looks good as fuck. She looks good as fuck. Um, there was Mindy Kaling, who is uh, you know, from the Office, the Mindy Project. Um, what else do I know her from? I don't know. Whatever. They had, um, Sarah Paulson. She was, she was okay. Nothing too special out of her. Aquafina, who I believe is a rapper. I actually don't know much about her at all. Um, I don't even, that cannot be her real name. Uh, and Rihanna, obviously. Um, if you didn't know, Rihanna's bad as fuck. She was looking all like, she was like a cool, like Jamaican girl in this movie, like smoking on that, that reefer and wearing like baggy clothes. And then she had to get in this red dress and holy fucking shit, man. See, this is the exact, probably opposite of what they needed with this me too shit is me objectifying women. Um, and Helena Bonham Carter from shit she works with Johnny Depp a whole lot she was in Sweeney Todd the Demon Barber of Fleet Street um uh, what else is she in like Harry Potter or something like that late she's in Les Miserables Les Miserables I don't even know how to say that shit Les Mis with Anne Hathaway she was in Fight Club one of my favourites um and after that, it's hard for me to think. I think she was in the 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 latest uh, Alice in Wonderland that Johnny Depp was in. You know. Um. Anyway, there was an actual scene in this movie that was a job interview. So this this heist was so worked out that these some of these girls needed to get specific jobs as like caterers, nutritionists, event planners and shit. They, and they needed to be so sure that they was going to get these jobs that, so then they could like work this heist from the inside. Right. Um, and like Helena, Helena Bonham Carter had to get the job as Anne Hathaway's fucking, um, what's it called? like um stylist right so like 
and Anne Hathaway was like a famous actress in the film. So I was like, none of this shit really. I mean, I get it. It's a movie and you're not supposed to be like, oh yeah, right. As if that's going to happen. But that's kind of what I felt like. And I think I kind of was mad that they fucking did oceans like this. There was a picture of George Clooney in it. Um, but shit, I didn't like what they did. I'm drinking licorice tea right now. I think it's supposed to be good for your digestive system or something. Rachel's mad into naturopathy. And she always tells me to do stuff. I don't even know why I'm doing it. But then she'll... Like... I've been with her for like over a year, right? And she... Will still fucking... Every time we eat something, she'll still tell me what, like, what its benefits are. I get it. Every time we fucking eat this, you say that, you know? She's alright. She is alright. But, yeah. I'm trying to have this, this licorice tea right now. Man. Um... Yeah, but Ocean's 8. Um, see it if you've got a girlfriend that wants to go to the movies. Apart from that, don't see it. That's if I'm talking to men. And then if you're a woman, go see it. Um, go get that, uh, you know, empowerment. Um, uh, yeah, anything men can do, we can do better. All that, go get that. Cause that's, that's all this movie did. And it was just like, like, Hey man, I believe in equality and all that, but let's just fucking, let's just chill with it for a minute. Right. Not chill with equality, but chill with the fucking screaming about it. And like, whatever. Easy money. I don't know, man. Six out of 10, six out of 10, because I just, I don't want equality PSAs, okay? I saw Ghostbusters, the remake. First of all, it was garbage. And second of all, I fucking get it. I fucking get it. Oh, you just did a movie with five men. And then Ocean's Eleven was like 11 men, so it was even fucking worse. But like, fuck, we get it. We get it. You don't need to remake it full of women. Why didn't you just make a new movie that didn't... I actually would have gone in with more of an open mind if it wasn't Ocean's 8. And it was like, um, you know. Oh, fuck. I can't even think of like a good title. Like, you know, the fuck, the Hollywood 8 or some shit. The Vegas 8. Or even if you didn't, if you didn't even put in like a number and you did like Ladies Night. Or like, not even that. You could just call it something completely different that has no reference to females. Like, um, what did they steal? They stole like these old diamonds that were from Cart Cartier. What is a uh, um, designer, French designer or something. So, like, you could call it, um, well, you would hope that you would get some sort of cash for calling it. You could just call it Cartier, right? And then people 
into fashion would accidentally go watch your movie thinking it's going to actually be about Cartier. But then it's just this heist film, right? But you see the trailer, it's all women and everyone's like, oh, wow, like, look at all these independent women. This Look how empowering this is. And then they go see that shit instead of making a, an Oceans movie. So annoying. Oh, man. I didn't realize... It was, it was like they wrote a draft of a script, right? And the, and someone was too busy to, uh, to actually go over it. So they just greenlit it. And then they just made the movie without like refining the script and making sure that, um, that all the stupid shit that people were going to hate was out of it. Yeah. And like for a movie, like for all this shit about, um, like sexuality and like objectifying women, um, when Rihanna got in that dress, her cleavage was so serious and Hathaway's cleavage was crazy for the entire film. And I'm just like, you don't want to get in objectified, but yet, I mean, objectified is such a strong word, but like, if you don't want us to look don't put your fucking titties out on a fucking 50 foot screen, you know? Like, I've got nowhere else to look at that point. It was softcore porn in some some moments, okay? So, when, like, this, it, this age-old thing, I'm not, this isn't, this isn't even about, like, rape and all this, and, like, she deserved it and all that. That shit's wild. But, like, if you're walking around in a miniskirt, and like you got like a crop top with under boob showing and I look and you turn around to me and you go, oh my God, you fucking perv. What? You're, why are you dre- like, if I've got fucking like eight pack abs and like all these muscles and shit and I go to the beach and I take my shirt off, there's a reason that I'm just walking around with my shirt off. You know, you see like dudes going for runs with no shirt on. How come no fat people do that? Cause fat people don't want to be looked at like that. So all these, all these sexy girls walking around with like, like denim diapers and fucking, um, yeah. Crop tops with side boob, under boob, over boob. All these boobs, man, hanging out everywhere. Getting mad at dudes looking at them. Come on, bro. You could wear a hoodie. Oh, it's hot outside? Wear a fucking t-shirt. Wear a singlet that you didn't cut to, to one centimeter below your nipple. There's so many options. You understand? And so if we're doing all this, like... Um, girl power shit and you're you're getting mad because dudes looking looking at you like you're a piece of meat obviously that's not what they're looking at you like but that's what you interpret it as hey you look good you know you look good you've made yourself look better with this fucking exposing dress right and you're mad at cats for looking put it away Put it away. It's a natural instinct to look. And I don't think it should be a problem. Look, but don't touch. You know? Gonna get mad about that shit and like, 
um, encourage it with what you're wearing. I'm just talking about looking. I'm not talking about sexual assault or, um, you know, whatever. Even saying something. We shouldn't even say shit. You know? Just look. She walks by. She walks by in some short shorts. You turn, And you're walking the opposite direction. You turn around, have a quick peek. Go ahead. You tap her on the ass. Cuff them up. You know? See? See what this movie's done? This is the most outlandish Clay's reviews ever. I'm on a, I'm on a tangent. I'm on a tangent. I didn't even mean to get on a tangent. Alright? All I know, okay, is that these women looked great, but I don't understand whether I'm allowed to think that anymore. But I do think it. Am I supposed to pretend that I don't? I don't know. Aquafina didn't look that good. She was like, she was too tomboyish in the movie. You know? She was like full, she was like a little hustler. Sarah Paulson's clothing was very um, uh, conservative. She still looked good though. She's pretty. She's a pretty lady. She kind of looks like a, a cross between Kristen Wiig and Joan Cusack. That's gonna fucking get some emails because I don't think everybody's gonna agree with me on that one because I'd say she probably looks better than both of those people. Let's mix her between Emily Blunt and some blonde lady. Um. Anyway... I'm over it. Hope you guys are over it. Cause, uh, Hey, listen, we went to gold class. We ordered so much food. We ordered seven dishes of food. So when I was getting frustrated with the, um, dialogue or whatever, I would just stuff my face with more food and it was dope. And I don't usually go to the toilet during movies. And I went to the toilet during this one and I could have held it. You know what? I said six out of ten before. I'm saying five now. Five out of ten. Because a movie that I don't care if I miss a bit of means it loses a point. Okay? And it was starting to get... um like the, start, the plot was starting to come together at that point too. And I was like, fuck it. Rachel was like... Oh, while you were gone. While you were gone. And I was like, oh, I don't care. <laughs> and I just kept watching it. I didn't even care what I missed. I got it. I understood. They're going to steal this shit. They're not going to get caught. They're all ladies. They're fabulous. Good job. Congrats. You know? It's just funny, man. Because like when I watch Ocean's Eleven, I don't leave the theater and just be like, man, men are so dope. They're so much better than women. Like it's just, it's just so backwards their way of thinking that they have to remake it with all women. What's next? We're going to make um, the Blues Sisters. What if we remade Sister Act into Brother Act? Would that be offensive to you guys? Think about that for a minute. Fuck. I need to get out of here, man. This is Welcome to the Party. I'm the big boss, man. The PhD of podcasts and the milkman. Um, and the clumsy jeweler. And you know why they call me all of those things, man. But, um, continue 
to hit us up on Twitter, Instagram. Um, welcome to the potty at gmail.com with any questions, any fucking... Um, oh, mum got mad because I swear too much on the potty. Come on, man. It's the potty. It's R-rated. It's not... It's not for kids. Um, yeah, hit us up if you've got some suggestions for poor posture. Listen to this fuck shit. Um, I don't have any poor posture today. Uh, except for whoever made Ocean's 8, I suppose. Um, yeah, man. Uh, special thanks to Tom Daly for being on the show. Appreciate it. I uh, had a great time. Had a great catch up. Haven't talked to him for a long time. I hope everybody is having a great Thursday. I hope your hump day went well. I hope your weekend goes well. I'll talk to you guys on Sunday. Uh, be safe and as always, bum bum.